You're listening to the profession's greatest physical therapist, Their Past, Our Future podcast. We're your hosts, Ethan Mitchell and Joey Stewart, first-year physical therapy students at Angelo State University. This is the podcast that is made to inspire pre-PTs, SPTs, and current physical therapists to become the greatest versions of themselves, physically, mentally, academically, financially, and spiritually. Let's get into it. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Their Past, Our Future podcast. Um, this is your host, Ethan, and your other host, Joey. And I am absolutely pumped to have our guest on today, Dalton Lano. He's my favorite podcaster out there. So <laughs> I'm blessed to be able to have him on the show, too. Um, how are you doing today, Dalton? I'm doing well, boys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the uh, the kind words there, Ethan. You're uh, you're boosting me up right off the bat. So I'm excited to uh, to chat with you guys. I was taking a look through some of the guests you had, and you've had on some uh, some of my favorite people: Joe Rinaldi, Sam Spinelli, Nisha Meyer, um, Dan. Bunch of legends. Love it. Absolutely, yeah. We we love all of them. Um, and it's super cool to have you on. You do uh, the PT Coffee Cast and you do Move Local and um, the weekly show with D. And so you do, you do all the podcasts, <laughs> but you are a coffee connoisseur. So I think I got to start the show off with just asking, how have you been brewing your coffee lately? Oh, yeah, this is a great question. Um, first off, I wouldn't classify, classify myself as a coffee connoisseur mm-hmm. totally. I kind of fall in the middle ground. So like Will, obviously my my uh, beautifully bearded co-host on the PT coffee cast. He's more of like one of those connoisseur guys where he has to have the absolute perfect coffee. I love good coffee, but I'm a Canadian boy at heart. So I don't mind sipping on the Tim Hortons every now and then, but um, currently the, I, I brew my coffee most of the time in an AeroPress. Um, so if you guys have tuned into our podcast before, you know, we basically preach the AeroPress all the time. Um, it's probably one of the most consistent, easy ways to brew a nice cup of coffee. So AeroPress is definitely the go-to occasionally on the weekends. I'll do like a French press sometimes too. So that's it. Nice. I love it. Um, I recently tried a French press and uh, I actually first heard about it on your show. I was like, oh, I got to start different methods of my coffee now other than the, than the usual Keurig, um, which is easy. But And I found the French press, it may have been a placebo thing, but it just felt smoother. But that was me. <laughs> hey, man, placebo or not, if it tasted better, that's all that matters. That's true. Exactly. Um, the way I've been doing it or – when I actually have the inspiration to not do it from the Keurig is, um, have you ever heard of a mocha pot? Yes. Yes, I have. I've never used one. Uh, someone actually recently just uh, told me if they were using one, but yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. My, my girlfriend was actually the one who put me on and it definitely makes for a smooth cup of coffee. Ridiculously hot though. I mean, that thing comes out piping hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. But uh, Dalton, so you're doing some pretty awesome things uh, 
physically. Um, we would love to hear more about your training journey and even your backyard ultra coming up. So from following you for, for a long time, I know you did not really start as a runner. Can you talk about your journey transitioning to running and, and your, especially your upcoming event? Yeah, man. Um, definitely would have never classified myself as a runner. Um, I used to be a, a 260 pound defensive lineman back in the day. Um, so running more than like was, uh, was never something I wanted to do, but as I kind of transitioned away from, uh, away from football and more into like health focus, just started diving into a bunch of different, um, ways to get fit to CrossFit, functional fitness is all that stuff. Um, but how I kind of transitioned into like running in the endurance world was, um, you know, when COVID COVID hit gym shut down, um, didn't have as many options to strength train. Wasn't a fan of like doing the whole in front of the TV workout kind of thing. Um, just wasn't for me. So I had ran in the past, like on and off. I'd done a half marathon, like as one of those things, like I'm just going to do one and never do it again, get it done. Um, and so I kind of had some enjoyment with running, but never really dove into it. And then with COVID, I just said, all right, I need to kind of kickstart my training in a different way. So started to run, got a coach, um, built up to run another half marathon, then run a marathon, um, and kind of just fell in love with the process of running and, and more, more like just endurance sports in general. Um, so I've dabbled in a little bit of like a duathlon and I want to try to figure out how to swim and eventually do a try. Um, but with the backyard ultra, this is something that kind of completely popped out of nowhere. Um, and I was like, ah, why not? Might as well do something that is going to push me physically and, and mentally. So, um, I'm doing that this Friday actually of this recording. So, um, it's coming up quick and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, let's go. And Dalton, I just remembered happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thanks, boys. Yeah, I appreciate yes. it. Yes, we are lucky enough to have Dalton on the show on his birthday. Yeah. 28 years young, man. 28 years young. I love it. Um, but going back to that, I think that's really awesome how in COVID you were really adaptable in, you know, instead of just staying at home with um, not exercising, you found a different way to get some movement in during the days and transition to running. And I was uh, kind of listening to you and Will talk about that on your podcast. And I was inspired to run myself just because, you know, that's what I had to do. And um, I feel like I've, I've actually began a running journey myself. And I uh, ran a half marathon in March, and I'm hoping to do a marathon up in December. So um, I definitely appreciate having a role model to like, Hey, I, I guess I can go out and run too, but, uh, that's awesome. And your backyard ultra, you're also, uh, helping to raise some money for, uh, kids, cancer research, pediatric research. Is that right? Or. Yeah. So, um, my buddy that I met through, through my, my personal podcast, Logan Weisberg, he raises money for a foundation called Team One Step, which, in, which is out of like the Wisconsin area. Um, and essentially what they do is they raise money to send um, pediatric cancer um, children to camp um, for free. 
so they go to this summer camp and 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 do their thing there and, and just have fun so um i'm just going to be donating ten dollars for like every lap that i complete in the backyard ultra which like essentially the backyard ultra is you run a 6.7 kilometer loop every hour um until you can't <laughs> or until you win um so my goal is to hit about 15 laps which is about 100 kilometers total um of running so yeah that's kind of one of the uh one of the things that I'm doing on uh, to kind of add a little motivation for myself, but also kind of use the, uh, the platform of, of my fitness, I guess, to, to serve some other people, um, in a better way, you know, that's really awesome. I'm sure that can definitely give you more drive in what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know if you guys will still be accepting donations for that, um, afterwards, but maybe I could drop a donation link in the show notes if anyone wants to check that out dude i would love that yeah um logan's taking like donations all the way up until i think october because he's he's doing it in conjunction with the uh the chicago marathon so he's gonna okay. be running that in october so yeah definitely be available if anyone um wants to support the cause awesome awesome yeah and did the math real quick 100 kilometers is about 62 miles so that is freaking awesome i'm Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. It's one oh, of those things where I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do it. Honestly, like I, I, I posted about this on my Instagram the other day. It's like a lot of the other kind of endeavors that I've dove into. I felt pretty confident that I was prepared to like accomplish the thing that I set out. This is one of those things where I'm like definitely pushing that line of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually do it, which I think is a exciting and cool thing to, uh, to do every once in a while. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, heck that may be what, you know, puts you over the top, you know? Yeah. It's true. What's uh, your weekly uh, mileage looking like? Um, so what, the, this thing was like something that kind of spurred out of no, not out of nowhere, but it was like, I didn't have as much time to prepare as I probably mm-hmm. would like, but I, I tried to ramp up my volume decent over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I think I was hitting closer to like 60 kilometers in a week, okay. which like, it's not too bad. Um, probably would have liked to have more volume, but just with time and everything. So yeah. it is what it is. We'll just, uh, we'll just give her a go and, and see how, how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. You got it, man. Yeah, we believe it. Tons of coffee, just crushing coffees, you know, it helps yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like every 10, 15, 20 laps, just have someone with an espresso shot at the ready. Yeah. Just, just a pot. <laughs> Don't even need water or Gatorade, just coffee. Just coffee. <laughs> yeah, so um, kind of on the topic of running, um, what are three valuable lessons that running has taught you? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I think one of them is like definitely, and as cliche as it sounds, like, you know, trusting trusting the process. I think running is a long game. Um like I started running over a year ago. Um, and I think just now I feel good about the base level of like aerobic fitness I have, um, to where I can start to like explore out and do things like this backyard ultra, or if I want to, you know, work more on intensity to like build my speed up. So just like understanding that it's a long game and trusting that, um, because there's going to be many times throughout, especially with running, it's just like that mental thing where, 
you just want to quit or you want to stop. So there's many times where you're going to not finish a run or you're going to have to stop or whatever it may be. And you just kind of have to, you know, get through that, push yourself through that and trust that like you're on the right path. Um, the other thing I would say would be get a, getting a coach. I'm a massive fan of like getting help from other people. Um, you know, as a physical therapist, we encourage and others to seek our services so that we can coach them through the rehab process. Um, so if I'm going to try and encourage others to do that, I feel like, you know, for myself, if I want to try to level up, um, making sure that I have someone who can guide me appropriately. So I, I'd work with a coach, like building up to my marathon. I'm currently working with a coach who's helping me with like the triathlon stuff that I'm doing um and that's paid off massive um so i think always investing in in that is is important um what is that that's two what, what would we say three I, you know it's funny because i did a podcast on this and i can't even remember what the third <laughs> one was that i said in the podcast but um what do we say trust the process get a coach um and then i think it's just like you know embracing, embracing the uncertainty of, um, you know, maybe not accomplishing the things you set out or the different things are going to pop up along, along the journey. Um, you know, again, with, with running, it's like, there'll be days where you're out there and you're feeling super good and you're like, Oh, I got this. And then there'll be days where you're like 2k into like your 15 kilometer run and you're, you're ready to check out or your, your calf starts to hurt or your knee starts to hurt. And it's just like accepting that that's okay. Those things are going to pop up. And, and that, you know, if it's not going to be your day today that, you know, coming back the next day, you never know what that's going to be like. So I guess that would be maybe one of the, the other things that I've, I've learned along the way. Wow, that, yeah, that's um, definitely something. And honestly, like hearing a lot of that, like it kind of, you can kind of reflect that onto running, lifting, kind of whatever your like mode of fitness is. Because, um, I mean, it's all very applicable. I mean, running to me is just the parts of them all. So, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, man. Like uh, that, it's uh, it's this idea of like principles over methods, I guess you could say. And I've, I've heard that from, um, Oh, I want to make sure I give him credit. Um, we've had him on our podcast. It'll come to me, but I, I didn't create that, but it's something that I, I truly stand by, like whether it be in the rehab setting or whether it be in like in my life, it's like setting up these principles that can be applicable to many different areas as a, as opposed to just having like certain methods to get you, to get you through something. So like you're saying, like that could translate to from running can translate over to strength training can translate to what I share with my clients or have them try to understand throughout the process of rehabbing from an injury. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. Definitely. And the other big thing too, that you mentioned is, um, coaching. And I, like, I don't know if this is just like the bias of who I've been around or if it's just something that's actually kind of like tried and true, but, um, I feel like coaching is just kind of like taking a big swing recently. Um, and it's a lot more prevalent because, you know, I know Joe Ronaldo is doing his coaching, Ethan, I know you're doing your coaching and, um, you know, even coaches need coaching. So it's like this interesting um, kind of like network I'm seeing. And I, I didn't even think about that until after, I think it was either Ethan or Joe that said coaches need coaching. Um, and especially as the health professionals that we are, that we aim to be, that's ever, you know, more important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hiring a coach is, I don't want to call it a shortcut, but it's, really getting you so much knowledge and experience and allowing it 
allowing you someone else's knowledge and experience and implement it into your own life. And so I feel like uh, that can be a pretty powerful thing to do. Definitely, man. Like everything that we've done, you know, here with, with our business and, and now kind of growing into from like our social media brand to like a physical space, like, you know, we've had to take steps and levels up um, to get there. And we've gotten coaches to help us along the way, whether it be with our own knowledge in the realm of physio and pain, strength, conditioning, whether it be in the, the, the realm of business, whether it be in like our own personal lives, for example, like me getting a coach to help me with running, like it definitely is a way to um, reduce the amount of mistakes that you're going to make. And I think if someone's already been through the process or knows how to do that for you um, and, and you're willing to see value in that, like it's going to help you um, get to where you want to go potentially quicker. Yeah. And another thing too, I mean, it's definitely hard to do a lot of these things like alone. So I think it also kind of teaches that sense of community, you know, and it's a good way to give back essentially. Yeah. And I've learned a lot about it um, with how I would interact with like the clients that I work with. Like, I think you, you, you know, I view myself as a coach, like with the clients that I'm working with, like I want to empower them to take control of their health and I want to empower them to be able to make decisions on their own and, and kind of coach them through their, their rehab. Um, so me being willing to invest in a coach and learn from them and understand what it's like to actually be coached, um, has helped me a lot with client interactions. Um, so I think there's something to that as well. For sure. Um, and kind of on that note of like coaching communication and whatnot. And, um, a lot of this is kind of bringing me back to one of your, one of your old episodes, actually. I, um, was kind of scrolling through, I took a listen to this one and it was just basically about being a better communicator. Um, just whether it be with like patients, with whoever you're working with, whatever it may be. And, um, we were just curious as to what are some lessons that you learned about being a better communicator, uh, from being a podcast host. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I've talked about this before. I think like podcasting has taught me a lot about most importantly, it's, it's improved my listening skills. I think like, I would say my listening skills, my ability to ask good questions, um, are two of the most important things that I, that I've learned from it. Um, you know, in order to have a good conversation, especially as a host, you're trying to get the most out of the person that's across from you or across the screen from you because you want to hear their story and their insights right so if i'm too busy blabbing on which i like to do don't get me wrong if, if i'm too busy blabbing on how how am i going to be able to highlight or bring the best out of that person so learning how to listen to them to find those entry points to diving deeper into questions or having them expand on thoughts that they're they might not even be really thinking about as they speak is something that um is super important. So that translates well over into client interactions. Like when I first meet a client and even as we continue through the process, like it's like I'm having a podcast interview with them, right? Like you're sitting there having a conversation and I'm just trying to understand their story, who they are, what, what's going on in their life, what's, you know, their issue and how they feel about it. So being able to listen and pick up on certain things that I could pull, pull a little deeper on or ask another question to get more out of them is, is super important. And that kind of translates to the importance of asking good questions. And 
I've learned um, through some mentors um, and some and some just my own learning and experience of of ways that you can you know ask questions or the timing of questions and and whatnot to to pull more out of people, um, and that's important when we're trying to understand the person in front of us. Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, I love those thoughts and just kind of rolling off of that. Um, so listening. So of course, asking good questions and um, is really based off of how well you listen. And uh, listening sometimes can be hard for our brains because our brains can think so much faster than we, than we can speak. Um, what tips do you have for being a better listener? That's a good question, man. Um, I think like it, it, it's literally being intentional, like as simple as that might sound, like I will go into, you know, before I enter into a conversation with a client or an, an initial assessment, especially initial assessment, because you're really trying to understand this person. Um, I'll just tell myself as I head in, like, okay, hey, you know, you got to do your, you got to listen, you got to focus on them. Um, you know, a couple, <laughs> a tactic that I've used in I don't know if anyone's used this before, but I'll literally like bite my tongue sometimes, like literally bite my tongue because I'll feel like I'll, I'll get that urge to want to say something, but then, and I'll, I'll recognize that. And then I'll do, I'll bite my tongue a little bit to like remind myself like, Hey, don't, don't interject yet, you know, let this keep going. So that's another thing. That's not for everyone. I don't know, you know, I'm not encouraging people to go bite their tongue, but sometimes those like physical cues are helpful to, um, just keeping you in the moment. So those are, those are some things um, that I've done in the past and actually intentionally trying not to ask a question or say a word for like a certain amount of time into a, into an eval. So whether it be like setting, setting a little timer on my phone and seeing if I can like maintain a certain amount of time before I actually like interject and see what that looks like. Um, I've done that a couple of times just to like see if, if I actually do wait or am I just, firing off right away like six seconds in like diving in and just blowing them away (laughs) like it's like you're trying to set up a new high school for yourself yeah yeah that's funny um i love a lot that you mentioned just being intentional with listening like before you step into the room you know the patient's in there it's like okay i'm gonna listen and just be there for them and i think that can apply to a lot of different things in life even though it, it sounds so easy and like will it really work what I've noticed is it does work. Um, it works with a lot of different things. If um, before I walk into a room, like at school, for say, sometimes I'll ask myself, like, oh, uh, what do I want to bring or to this room? And I'll, I'll think I want to bring energy. Um, I want to bring joy and cheerfulness. And just setting that intention for myself, at least, has been something that's been powerful. And so that's really cool to hear that you tie that into um, being a better listener. Um, That's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And, um, so I learned a lot from your podcast that the most important part of a PT exam is the subjective portion. And I know we don't want to interrupt a lot. Um, but how much should we guide the patient in the conversation versus letting them tell the story they want to, because from what I hear, um, maybe people are right, maybe they're not, 
But what I hear sometimes patients will kind of go off on like different tangents. Um, so I guess my question was, how much should we guide them in the conversation? Yeah, the thing is, it's, there's like, it's, it's individual, right? And there's a lot of nuance to these, these things. And you're going to get certain like um, different personality types, right? You're going to get people that are going to come in and they're going to have no problem with just spewing everything out onto you and talking. And you, you basically don't even have to say anything and they're, they're dumping on you, right? There's some people that are going to come in that are going to be a little bit more reserved who are going to be quiet, which means that you might actually have to do a lot more of the, the talking or, or at least generating probing questions to try to pull, to pull things out of people. Um, and then there's going to be people in the middle ground who, you know, don't have a problem with talking, but also might not be one of those people who are going to just dump, dump things on you. So I think it's learning to identify the person in front of you and who you may be interacting with. Cause I think there are a certain ca certain categories of people that you're going to see patterns that you're going to see with people. Um, but with regards to like how, how much you should let them go off, um, it depends on the time you have. Right. So like, you know, we're lucky here, like we set it up. So we have hour long sessions with our clients. So I'm not afraid to like, let this person go off for a bit. Right. You know, there might be a reason why they feel like they need to tell you all these things. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's one thing, but I understand that not a lot of people have that time. Some people have 45 minutes, some people have 30 minutes. It all depends. So I think you obviously have to factor that in. So one thing that I've done, if people start to like really go off, let's say, and you're, you know, in your mind, you're like, okay, we still got to get through some objective testing because yes, that is important. Like as much as hearing their story and connecting is probably number one, you know, we also need to get some data and some information as to how we can help this person. Right. So I think what I, what I do is if someone's going off and I'm kind of peeking at the time and I see that, you know, it's creeping up on longer time is I'll actually be like, Hey, listen, um, Thanks for sharing this with me. Uh, you know, we're, we're about this much time into, into the assessment. If you feel like this is important for you to continue to share information with me and you want to tell me more about your story, feel free. I have no problem going through this. Um, but if, if you feel like you want to move forward and do a couple of different assessment tests or movements or whatnot, um, I think we can move forward with that and just get some more information. And leave it up to them, right? Because ultimately, it's what they want to get out of the session. Um, so sometimes people talk for 30 minutes and you do a little bit of objective, objective testing. And then on the next session, you're, you're now connected with that person. And then you can go into more of that, that testing stuff. Now, this is all dependent, again, on your environment. I know in the U.S., it's a little bit different in terms of how you bill, like codes. I don't know all that stuff, but I know that you can get some pressure from people to like be like, Hey, you need to get this done. And that'll all factor into it. But those are some ways that I've kind of learned to navigate that situation. Yeah, that's awesome. And it sounds a lot of like you're, you're reading the room a lot and I guess their personality and I guess leaving it, leaving it up to them on how they want to spend their time. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And the other thing that stands out to me too is um, it sounds like over and above all, you just prioritize them being heard. And I mean, that does wonders for someone's for someone already. So, 
majority of the time, man, people don't get the opportunity to share their story with a healthcare professional, right? Like we sit in a special spot, I think, and we shouldn't take that for granted because we're going to lose it if we take it for granted. So I think trying to emphasize the importance of that um, is huge. Also, there are times where I will push someone forward because it's like, hey, this is just spinning. You know, like, again, like there's always going to be certain times where it's like, all right, cool, we got it. Let's move forward. Um, And then I always continue the story, the conversation as I'm doing the objective testing, right? It never truly ends. The subjective interview never ends. It's always, it's always there, whether it be that session, the next session, your 10th session, whatever. It's always there. It's awesome. Um, um, I just, I had another question. Um, So, we, we've kind of talked about questions some and listening, um, but I'm curious, how can we as physical therapists ask better questions to get better answers? Yeah, it's good. That's good. Um, I think, I think just making sure that you're asking um, open-ended questions, like trying not to guide the conversation or ask leading questions. And I'll even catch myself in, in the moment where I ask a leading, like I'll start to ask a leading question and then I'll like recorrect myself and make it more open-ended. Um, because you want to leave it up to them, um, to, to take it where they want to go, right? You're really trying to understand how this person sees themselves and how this person sees their injury in relation to themselves. Um, So making sure you're asking questions like that, like a lot of questions I always ask the client is like, well, you know, they'll go off on how their doctor said this and that. I'll be like, well, what do you think? Like, how does this make, what do you think is going on? Or what do you think this pain means, means to you? Or how do you, how would you describe this experience? Like always kind of putting it on, them and how they see it so that you can understand where they're coming from and then take what you know about the situation and apply it, which could just be asking more questions to kind of lead them to understanding what's happening. And so that they're saying it and you're not telling them what's going on. So it's kind of like leading them to come to the conclusion on their own, which isn't easy. Um, but I think it's one of the more effective ways to have people understand kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, we can easily start to ask leading questions. We start hearing some things about, I don't know, maybe diagnosis diagnoses we know, and we want to like, Ooh, I think it's this diagnosis. Maybe they had a medial meniscal tear and they're like, Oh, well, did your knee cave in whenever you were doing this? You know, that's just kind of an example. It's like, um, I guess we're sometimes we can like try and confirm what we're thinking instead of just like letting more information flow out. And sometimes patients might not even know. And they'll be like, uh, yeah, I guess. And then, yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong, boys. Like I struggle with this still. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm not perfect at it by, by any means. Um, you know, I'm constantly trying to like self-reflect on how I interact with clients, um, or, or get advice from people who are much more experienced than me and have spent a lot more time on diving into the nuances of this. So like, you know, as much as I'm, I'm sitting here and giving you my thoughts on it, like I'm still constantly learning, um, how I can, can improve on, on these things. And, it's probably because I, I think it's one of the more important skills you can have as a, a clinician when it comes to empowering or helping the people in front of you. 
Absolutely. I love sure. that. I feel like the best clinicians are always the ones who like advocate for the patient and like make them realize their potential, I guess is what I'm trying, the words I'm trying to look for. Definitely, man. Like I'm all about hyping up the people that I see, man. Like the, the number one thing is like, you know, giving people hope that they can get back to what they love or can get back to seeing themselves as the person they are. I think often too often in healthcare, um, it's negative, you know, it's like, well, your knee, you have arthritis, you can't run anymore. Or, Oh, if you keep doing that, you're going to need a knee replacement. It's like, well, really, is that true? You know, like I'm always trying to spin things in a, in a positive light and, you know, obviously I'm going to be honest with the client if I think that there's something that's going to put them at, at risk. But I think we're far too often spinning things in a negative light. Um, so I'm always trying to get on that hype train, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing a, like, I've been seeing a lot of stuff lately about, um, like back MRIs and how like no one MRI looks the same and like what one person's like normal MRI, which would show like damage, I put in air quotes. I don't know if y'all can't even see it, but there's air quotes around the word damage. Um, and then someone who is like really hurt and kind of feeling debilitating and their back looks relatively undamaged or um, how like is valgus really all that of a bad thing in certain movements? Like I feel like a lot of things just have stigmas around them and those stigmas can end up doing more harm than good to a patient. Mm. Yeah, man. And you can empathize with, I empathize with clients, man, how, how confusing it is. Like I'm confused sometimes, you know, it's like, imagine having no understanding, right. And then going into this, seeing all these things and be, you know, it's, it's, it's so confusing. So I think the most important thing is to try to just educate them and have them understand the best that they can and give them some comfort in knowing that they're going to be okay. Oh yeah. I mean, the thing I love about PTs too, and kind of on that note is, you know, we're really educators as much as we are advocates too. And I think there's just a lot of, for lack of a better term, misinformation. So once you kind of get them educated, I mean, that does, at the bare minimum, at least you kind of have them knowing what's going on. And I think that's super valuable. Agreed. Powerful stuff. All right. So, uh, Dalton, tell me, what is one piece of advice you want to leave PT students with? Yes, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I've probably been asked this question a couple times, and I, I don't remember if I've said the same thing every time. I might be repeating myself. Um, but, like, my, my, my thought to, to PT students would be, like, um, continue to explore the things that, like, bring you purpose or, or fulfillment. Um, I think far too often we, we kind of shut these things down or ignore these things. Um, when we're bombarded with other aspects of physio school or, or, you know, thinking about writing your exam or thinking about getting a job, um, that you kind of shut down these, these things that fill you up or bring you purpose. And I think if there's something there, whether it be like wanting to start your own podcast, wanting to start your own blog, wanting to start your own business, like if you feel that 
you know, deep down, it's kind of there. Like, don't don't ignore that. Um, explore it and see what happens. You never know what's going to come from it. Um, even if you do it for a bit of time and then it doesn't end up becoming anything, um, you're going to learn from that process. You're going to build skills that are going to be important not only to maybe a future endeavor, but important to you as a, as a clinician or, or even as a person. So I think constantly exploring those things and, and not ignoring them because it can be easy to, to ignore those things with the day-to-day stresses of physio school, with the day-to-day stresses of life. Um, you know, people kind of shutting you down or saying like, you know, why are you starting a podcast in the middle of physio school or why are you posting Instagram content in the middle, middle of physio school and you should be focusing on passing your exam. Um, and, you know, if I did that, I wouldn't be here today speaking with you guys or have the, the business that we have today. So I think always exploring those things is, is valuable. I love that. I think uh, oftentimes students can really get caught up in school and I feel like lots of times that can be like the main thing of focus and kind of get tunnel vision on school. And I love that you bring up just looking for exploring what brings you fulfillment. I think that can make anyone happier and enjoy life more. And hey, I mean, that's, that's what we're here for to enjoy life and enjoy each other. So yeah, it's gonna be different for everyone, right? Maybe yeah. maybe that fulfillment is like focusing on studying and getting the best grades. And, and that's cool, right? Yeah. Like, I think that that's fine if that's what you want to do. So I think it's a matter of, you know, just being in control of your own you know, education. My good friend, Andy Chen, um, he, he talked about this one time when I first met him and it it stuck with me ever since. It's like, you know, you're in control of your, your education, you're in control of what you learn. So if that is learning what you're learning in school and that brings you, you know, the knowledge that you need, great, but you're also can explore elsewhere and learn from different realms and, and dabble in psychology and dabble in strength conditioning and dabble in business or whatever it is. Um, and you're in control of that. So, uh, I think that's also something that is important to not, to not forget about when you're in, you know, physio school. Definitely. Definitely. And then of course we have to ask you this. What is your definition of a great physical therapist? Ooh, you guys asked this question, huh? <laughs> it's kind of our trademark at this point. Dang, that's a that's a that's a big question. <laughs> oh man, what what is my definition of the great great physical therapist? Um, I would I would say, you know, it's someone that is always putting the individual in front of them um, at the forefront. So I don't think it's about me. I don't think it's about us as a physical therapist. Like it's about that person that's sitting across from you and making sure that you're doing whatever you can to help support, empower, coach, educate that client to get to where they want to go. I think that is the most important thing that we can do as physiotherapists. And I think we can use our skills of, understanding how to educate about the human body, understanding pain, understanding exercise, understanding, um, you know, behavior modification, all that kind of stuff. Like if we can use those skills to then help guide that person to what they want to be. So I think, or where they want to go. And I think a physiotherapist that does that, in my opinion, is someone that's probably doing a really good job of 
doing what they're supposed to do. That's perfect. Yeah, I like that. I like that explanation. That's a big question, boys. Sheesh. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, that you did. And um, we, we love that just like everyone has like their own take on it as well and like comes like with a different angle. So For sure. Yeah. Hey, can I can I flip it on you real quick? You guys real quick? Okay. Why did I have a feeling that was coming? <laughs> no, not 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 even the greatest phys- that th- that's a big question, but I have another one for you guys. You know, you guys are what in first year of physio school or finishing up? We recently started uh, our second year. You recently just started second year, yeah. Um, so you know, have look, looking at you guys putting the podcast out and doing doing your thing that way really like brings back some memories, you know, of like myself and Will starting the podcast. Um, so my question for you guys is like, what have you learned about you know yourselves or or about you know the profession? from sitting down and talking with all of these people. Like, you guys are what? How many episodes deep now? Pretty pretty decent amount. Yeah. 25 yeah, or something? 21. This is a, this yeah, is a, this is 21 right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you go, Joey. I was going to let you go. <laughs> all, right, all, right, I, all right. I'll go ahead. I would say being able to sit down with, you know, 21 or however many it is, uh, different professionals and PTs. What I've learned the most is these great physical therapists, great physios that we're interviewing is they all have a sense of humility within them. And that's something that really excites me and something that inspires me to, um, maybe keep my ego down for lack of a better term or uh, just uh, I guess enjoy where I'm at and enjoy the people around me and really uh, work on just appreciating like all the great people around me um, and learning from all these uh, physical therapists has just allowed my character to flourish and realize being a great PT is about just caring for others the most you can. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great answer. E. Um, thinking about my answer, there's really like three words that come to mind. Um, well, technically four, but um, like three little like categories. They're advocates you know, they um, they sit there and they do everything with the patient's best interests and not just, like, what they think is their best interest, but, like, what the patient's best interest really is. Um, and there is, to me, there is a huge difference in that. Um, the second thing is their... Insatiable? Never satisfied? I'm... I don't know if that's the correct word for it, but, you know, they just, the moment they see some progress, they don't stop, you know, they aim, they aim to not just make the pain go away, but they aim to like, um, have, or like establish better habits for the patient, like keep it away. Um, and then the last thing of course is, um, never like never not learning or, um, 
always learning. Like they stay in the literature. They stay trying to find ways to improve their craft. Um, and to me, those are like the three big like archetypes that a PT has, especially from everything and everyone I've learned from this these past 21 episodes. Yeah. Nice. See the old, that's, that's the old flip it on the, on the host trick, you know, but that's hype. That's hype, man. It, it always, I get excited about this stuff because like listening to you guys even just highlight a couple key things there. Like the fact that you're already thinking about these things and implementing, implementing them and processing them in your brain and, and, and being in like your going into your second year physio school just gets me hyped knowing like how much more you're going to develop across the course of, I forget what do you guys do four years over there in America? Three years. Three. Okay. Yeah, we do too. Um, but yeah, just how much you're going to develop and, and continue to, to develop those skills that I would agree are super important for, um, just humans to have in general, but physical therapists as well. Absolutely. Oh Yeah. And the exciting thing I can't like that I'm still trying to wrap my head around is like, you know, this is only year one of us doing PT school, of us doing the podcast. And I mean, we've got like a lifetime of this left to go. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far this goes up. Love it. Yeah. Well, Hey Dalton, thank you so much for being on today. It was a pleasure doing an interview and again, happy birthday. Thank you for yeah. letting us interview you on your birthday. Um, and is there any good way that we can connect with you? Yeah, for sure. First off, boys, thank you so much for having me, uh, me come on. I, I, I appreciate it. And the fact that you both are supporters of the PT coffee cast truly means a lot to me, man. I, I was telling Ethan this the other day through text. It's like, I'm still me and will both still are completely humbled when people reach out and talk about how they've learned from our podcast and how it's helped them develop. Like it, uh, it still, it still blows me away to this day. So thank you so much for that. Um, but yeah, you guys can check, uh, Check me out. We'll check our Instagram out, the movement PTs. Um, we post a lot of content there around health and physical therapy and education and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can follow our at PT coffee cast Instagram page. That's where all our podcast stuff goes out. And then just take a look at, uh, take a look at our podcast, the PT coffee casts on, you know, all podcast platforms. We've had a bunch of interviews with some pretty, um, amazing people, much smarter than myself, um, learned a ton from them. So a lot of stuff there. We gear it towards physio students, new grads. Um, so there's a lot of value. I think that your listeners could, uh, could take away from that. 100%. Definitely go check out the PT coffee cast and go follow at the MVMT PTs on Instagram. Um, and Dalton, happy birthday, man. Go enjoy your birthday. <laughs> Thanks boys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Best episode to listen. Dalton was awesome today. If you guys enjoyed the show, um, please share it with one friend who you think would benefit from it. And uh, if you guys have been loving the podcast, that'd mean a lot to give us a review on Apple Podcasts and give a uh, five-star review. And that's it. Y'all have a great one.